This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. This is the tailgate, and we're celebrating a title. Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners, is with the baseball team out in Louisville. So we'll talk a lot about uh, Pete Hughes and the Sooners taking on Xavier. But, T-Row, what drama, what great TV over the last couple of days in following the Sooner golf team, wasn't it? Oh, man, that was uh, – I could not turn away. I mean, it had – all the elements of match play or, a, a, you know, a Ryder Cup or a great golf tournament, and you toss in the fact that it's our uh, favorite school that's out there. And it, <laughs> it was just, I mean, we know these guys. And uh, to watch them uh, get into the match play is a huge deal. I mean, yep, I'm talking about it today. I mean, just to get into that field of eight is the equivalent of going to Omaha or going to the Women's College World Series or going to the Final Four for these basket, for our basketball teams. It's a hard thing to do. There were some great programs like Texas and Stanford that had incredible years that didn't make it into the match play this year. And to do that for a second straight year was great. And then to watch them in the quarterfinals be down in all five matches and – you know, basically, the Golf Channel kind of gave up on them yep. and started showing everybody else. And I was following along on the computer as they started to chip away and begging the Golf Channel to start showing OU again. <laughs> because the, the Sooners were rallying. And sure enough, they came all the way back and had to win the final three matches and did. Uh, was incredible. And really, from that point on, I thought they dominated. I mean, they uh, won the first three matches from Illinois. They were never really in doubt in the championship against Oregon. Um, all five of them played great, you know? I mean, you would think in a situation like that, like a, a guy or two has an off day where they just can't find the fairway or they just can't make the putt. And it really never happened all three days. All yep. five guys played great all three days which is amazing, and um, kudos to Ryan Hibble and Brad Dalkey and Max McGreevy and Grant Hirschman and Riley Reinertson and Blaine Hale and uh, everybody associated with the OU golf team. Just a remarkable accomplishment. You, uh, It's interesting because we had Ryan uh, Hibble on the Sooner Sports Podcast after the Stanford Regional, and, you know – he, you could tell he wasn't very happy with the way that his group played as a team. Obviously, Brad Dalkey dominated and won that regional. But really, Toby, they hadn't played, I think, well as a team. Then to see them find that other level, and you hit it right on the head. You know, in some sports that are individual, quote-unquote, team sports, you'll have the you'll, – you'll keep the – you'll throw out the lowest and the highest or whatever it might be. In this case, you would really challenge <laughs> throwing throwing out a score with as well as everyone played uh, and then to get to match play like they did and play the way that they did in a competitive situation. I just I, – I, I thought it made for great TV, and I thought it was just an, an unbelievable run for this team that has been through so much this season. Yeah, it really is good theater. I mean, that match play, oh. every time we get a Ryder Cup situation or – 
Um, what they have done here with college golf over the last several years now, um, it doesn't get much better. I don't know how the guys do it. I mean, I'm a nervous wreck <laughs> watching them, and I can't imagine being in that, you know, that cauldron. It's a crazy thing about college golf because, I mean, you think football, and these guys are playing in front of 70,000, 80,000 people every game. Right. And let's say they go to the national championship game, and it's maybe a slightly bigger stadium, maybe not. Or more people watching on TV, but it's really not that different of a setting than what you do uh, week in and week out. College golf, if you ever go to a regular season college golf tournament, I mean, there's maybe three people following a group. Yep. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe four. Maybe dad can get off work or girlfriend is out there or one of the assistants or some fan had the afternoon off and they straggled out to a hole to watch. I mean, that's about it. I mean, there's not really many eyeballs out there. Fast forward to what we saw this week where they've got big galleries and a nationally televised audience and cameras walking with them for every shot and guys looking down from towers, Lanny Watkins commenting on everything they do. Yeah, I mean, the pressure is just ratcheted up tenfold. Yeah. from a regular season event, and for them to clutch up and play their best golf of the year in those circumstances is, you know, I mean, that's why they're the champs. I mean, that's what you got to do to be a national champion. And they did it, and now they'll be remembered around here forever. Yeah, and, and then I'll, I'll add one more thing, and then we'll move on to, to baseball. Toby, you only lose Max McGreevy out of that group, and that's a – pretty big loss. Max was a, a pretty special golfer and had a great career, but with the way they've recruited and you bring back Brad Dalkey for his senior season and you look at the way the rest of that crew played uh, in the postseason, I mean, how, this is going to be an exciting offseason building up to the men's golf uh, potential defense of this championship next year. Yeah, I mean, that was a great uh, advertisement over yeah. three days for OU Golf and for Ryan Hibble. And Brad Dalkey has become one of the biggest stars in all of amateur golf with his run to the match play final and his appearance in the Masters. And now he's going to get to be in the U.S. Open and, um, all, you know, all over the TV, clinching all the matches for him this week. But that's another big drawing card that Ryan Hibble can go out and say, hey, you want to come play with Brad Dalkey? Isn't he just a sophomore, Chris, for, for another Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's a junior. You, you might be right. Of course, I don't have my sheet right here in front of me. I'm actually taping while I'm driving. So is that fair? No. Is, is, is that illegal or is that okay, you think? I think we're good. Too. I, think, I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's illegal. <laughs> I don't know if that's legal or not. Uh, by the way, Dom Dorenzo just hit one halfway to Lexington. I'm watching know you batting practice. Oh, which is a beautiful uh, segue. Is, well, I'm going to say the men's golf team is he's, he's obviously building the foundation has built a foundation for a program that is going to be a contender for many years to come now, and uh, it's going to be exciting to watch them going forward. This is a Sooner Sports Podcast presented in part by Allstate, Are You in Good Hands, and by the Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort is the place to be. Uh, Toby teased it there. He is on the road with the OU baseball team as we tape this. They're preparing for their first game against Xavier, or as some people like to say, Xavier, but it's uh, it's Xavier. I mean, just just take us through a snapshot, Toby. How's the trip been so far, and what's the excitement level been like for this program to be back where it belongs to the postseason? You know, it's great. There is a lot of excitement around this team. I think that, you know, especially for the senior class who um, 
has not been able to get to postseason play for them in their senior year to uh, to get here. And for the whole team, but you can kind of see the relief when the bracket re- was revealed for the seniors to uh, uh, get to play in, in the NCAA tournament. It's been fun. You know, they, they got here on Wednesday and kind of immediately went out to a local small college to get an extra practice in oh, wow. last night, wow. Wednesday night. And while they were there is when the men's golf team was on the back nine of uh, what was going on. And, and as they got closer and closer to feeling the deal, more and more guys started coming over to the dugout. We had a couple of cell phones that were streaming the uh, golf channel, and they would gather around and gather around. And by the time it got to, it looked like Dolphy was going to finish it off on 16. The whole team is gathered around watching, hanging on every putt. And I remember Dolphy finished, the other guy made it, so they got to, they, they extended one more hole. Well, the team went and got on the bus. They were, it was time for them to head back to the hotel. And as soon as they all got on the bus, they clinched it. And you heard the roar from the bus because they were watching it on the bus. And so they all piled back off the bus so that they could send a congratulatory message to the men's golf team. So uh, this is a loose bunch. We're today, right now, at Jim Patterson Stadium on the campus of uh, Louisville where they're going to play here tomorrow. It's a beautiful facility. They're taking batting practice and kind of getting familiar uh, with this field, the turf field, very similar, maybe identical to what we have in Norman. You can see the football stadium, Papa John Stadium here beyond the right field wall. Chris, I don't know. Have you been to Louisville nope. before? Have you been to the university? I've traveled right through. I've never been on campus. Never been on campus. Okay, right behind us is Central Avenue. And on the other side of Central Avenue is Churchill Downs. Oh, wow. Where literally, if you look out the back of the press box, you could watch the races at Churchill Downs. So it's a very cool, um, you know, setting of some pretty uh, pretty famous sports uh, setting here. Louisville's great. Uh, they've got a really good baseball team, but they're struggling a little bit coming in. Obviously, they're the favorites and the hosts here, but they've lost four of their last five. Three of those losses came to Florida State over the last couple of weeks. Um, Oklahoma, obviously, is sputtering a little bit. They've lost four in a row coming into this. They're going to face one of the best pitchers in the country tomorrow in Xavier's Zach Lothar, who is a left-hander. He's uh, regarded as one of the top 100 draft prospects in the country. He only has a 5-4 and four record on the year, but a very low ERA, and his last two starts, he has been great. So the Sooners have their work cut out for him. And Oklahoma Chris has decided to throw Devin Perez wow. in game one. And, um, yeah, that's a, I don't think that's a surprise. I think that obviously there was a decision to be made there between Perez or Irvin. Perez is fresh. He hasn't thrown in a couple of weeks. Both of them are fresh, but Perez hasn't thrown in a couple of weeks. And um, he's been hot down the stretch himself. And I think you know, part of the thinking there is that Jake Irvin then it goes in game two, and you've either got him in a winner's bracket game against Louisville, which is uh, good, or you have him in a must-win-to-stay-alive game, which is great as well. And then, you know, we could still be playing baseball here on Monday. There's an 80% chance of rain on Sunday, and this tournament could extend to Monday anyway if, if the necessary game happens. And Devin Perez is more capable of turning around and helping you again perhaps on Monday 
giving you a few innings in a relief role if you throw him on Fridays than, than Jake Irvin would be. So for all those reasons, they're going to go with Devin Perez in game one. But uh, it's fun. I love this. Uh, you've been a part of it, obviously, with the softball team the last couple of years. But when you get to this NCAA tournament, this double elimination format, where there's so much hanging on every at-bat and every pitch and every decision, it's, it's hard to beat the drama. It's great. How's your press box? How's your booth? I'm sitting in it right now, and it's wonderful. It really is. <laughs> nice. uh, I don't have a, uh, the best angle in the world, but I'm really a first-world problems right there. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's nice. Uh, I'm The most important thing for me in baseball, and you know what softball is, I don't like it when I'm in the same room with the writers. Yes, it's I don't the worst. like it when everybody can hear my broadcast. I know that doesn't make any sense to people <laughs> listening the same. out there. Because anybody can put on headphones and listen. But for some reason, when you're in an open room and 40 other people can hear everything you say, I speak softer. I didn't say. Yeah, as if they're not going to be able to hear me. (laughs) And that has been the case a few times in NCAA tournament play. Uh, We were in Virginia back in 2012, which is a great baseball facility. But they just have one big open room that everybody shares. Wow. And the radio broadcast and the TV broadcast, the writers, everybody are in a room. And it was not comfortable. So, uh, yeah, I got my own booth. It's great. The people here at Louisville have been wonderful. So uh, I got no complaints. Hey, I got JT Gasso coming up next to help us preview the Women's College World Series. So uh, I, I want to wrap up with something a little bit different. I saw the brackets come out for this uh, Nike event that OU Basketball is going to be playing. Yeah. And Toby, have you worked the schedule out to where you're going to be able to be there for that potential Oklahoma-North Carolina matchup? How's it looking? <laughs> well, I haven't announced game time yet. Ah, okay. Uh, just the matchup. So I uh, got my fingers crossed. Um, I think OU-Arkansas will be fun. Yeah. Obviously, we've seen that matchup a few times through the years and uh, kind of a Big 12 SEC uh, preview, if you will. Uh, obviously, they had a, a good year last year, and that will be a tough matchup. But it looks like if you win, you're probably getting North Carolina on Saturday, and I would assume that would be a night game. I would assume they would put that uh, in a primetime slot, and you're referring to the fact that the football team plays West Virginia on Saturday <laughs> yes. back in Norman. It's kind of similar to what we did this past year in Orlando with the basketball team. We were able to fly up to Morgantown and call the football game and back. So um, those discussions have started to take place <laughs> as far as transportation. There, there are some red-eye flights out of Portland, I know, nice. on Saturday night that can get us back early Sunday, uh, Friday night that can get us back in early Saturday morning, uh, trying to talk Mr. Castiglione maybe into going because travel is a lot easier when he's there. So <laughs> we'll see when the game times come out and uh, whether we can pull it off or not. But that is going to be an unbelievable event. Uh, 16 of the premier teams in America, well, 14 of the premier teams in America in Portland and Portland State are a part of it. That's awesome. uh, No offense to Portland and Portland State if you're listening. But um, – it's it's going to be first class all the way. I think every team gets new uniforms for participating in it, and we're going to see some great basketball. And when you start to piece piece together this OU basketball schedule for next year, I know it hasn't been released, but they're going to be a part of that, which is going to give them three big time opponents. I mean, the other side of the bracket there, they're going to play on Sunday either 
Michigan State, Georgetown, Connecticut, or uh, is it Oregon? I think that's the other yep. team. So that, they're going to get three big-time opponents. Then you've got a game in the Staples Center against USC. And what was the other one that was recently announced? Um, oh, I... There was another uh, big. I'm blanking on the other. Uh, you mentioned USC. Yeah, that's the last one that I can think of. And of course, like I said, I'm driving, so I. I mean, it's it's bad enough that I'm broadcasting and driving. Maybe I shouldn't. One of these days, I'm going to have a setup in my car, like the police officers oh. have. Oh, go ahead. You got it. Yeah. Well, uh, Alabama is yeah, their opponent there in go. the uh, Big Twelve SEC showdown. I think that's what I was trying to think. There you go. It's going to be a fun non-conference. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I need my little computer here while I'm driving. You know how officers have their little computer on their dash? I think that's what I need whenever I do the podcast here. You need me to quit asking you questions while you're trying to drive. That might, yeah, or wait till I get back home to where I can edit it down. Hey, uh, and, and I keep saying last thing, but real quick, next week we're going to drop the podcast version of your final spotlight with Joe Castiglione, uh, which just Great. aired the other day. Anything that really stood out to you? What kind of caught your attention from that? I wish we had waited one more week to record it. <laughs> I wish we had waited until after the OU men's golf team won the national championship, and who knows what's going to happen with softball and baseball yep. here. But, um, I mean, I, I don't know what caught my attention from it. He, I just think, and this is not me looking for any kind of job security or anything, I just really hope that OU fans appreciate, and I think they do, I think they all do, the leader that we have of the OU Athletic Department. Amen. How he is, I think, far in the way, the number one athletic director in America. And I think that um, if you took a vote of his peers right now as to who's the best in the industry, I think he would win in a landslide. That's how highly he is regarded around the country, and you look at what the OU Athletic Department has done the last couple of years, and really in his entire tenure here, but certainly the last couple of years now, six national championships and a chance for another one, or who knows, maybe two, uh, still to come this spring. It is truly the golden era for Sooner Athletics, and, and Joe Castiglione deserves a ton of credit for that, and as you know, Chris, uh, he is the easiest man in the world for us to work with. He loves the broadcasting industry, and he supports everything that you do with this podcast and with our TV shows and with our radio play-by-play broadcast. And I couldn't pick a better boss on planet Earth that, I, that I'd rather work for. So um, uh, I don't know. It's not the question you asked me directly. but uh, <laughs> It's a great my, answer. I, I think that was my takeaway from the – from the show was this is pretty awesome, and I'm to sit next to him on the set. Great stuff. Toby, thanks for finding time. Good luck this weekend. Bring back some wins, buddy. Hey, you go win a national championship, Chris. We haven't won a title in like 24 hours. I know. We need, so, it. We need to get on it here. <laughs> I'll see you, Toby. See thanks. Buddy. Thanks, buddy. Thanks to Toby. You know, he was talking about Joe C. being the best, and he absolutely is. I hope, I hope Sooner fans realize how lucky we are to have an incredible leader like Joe Castiglione as the AD. Uh, and then in that, I'll, uh, I'll add, pretty lucky to have a guy as special as Toby Rowland as well, and we appreciate his time. Uh, speaking of people that we appreciate, let's go all in on the Women's College World Series. I had a chance before first pitch 
to chat with one J.T. Gasso to kind of talk about the excitement, the waiting, and the anticipation of the start of the Women's College World Series. Well, excitement level is high right now because the downtown Renaissance Breakfast is on point, and I've been looking forward to it all year. So got to enjoy that. And, I mean, just overall, though, um, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because the way we go about our business, it's not like, you know, people are going out of their way. It's just we're just ready to compete. For, uh, you know, you probably get tired of this question because I do bring it up a lot. Was there a moment where you saw things click for this team? And that's not to ever say it, it wasn't because, I mean, every team goes through lulls throughout the season. But, JT, as you kind of follow the path that your hitters have gone through and that this team as a whole has gone through, is there a moment where you look back and maybe they had an, an aha moment, even if it wasn't at the plate, just kind of in the the getting the getting it portion of, uh, of softball? Um, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really tough, uh, but I, I know like what's been great about this season is, um, I, I think like everyone has stepped up as far as, you know, you had games where Arnold was really good in the, the first Baylor series. Um, Sid has some, had a stretch there where she was, you know, really legit. Um, Shay's Texas tech, you know, so it's like it, everyone throughout the lineup can pick each other up. And so, I like I, I know you remember like the UCLA game. Yeah. Uh, when, we, when we that that game, I was like, okay, aha, like that's our aha, aha moment. Like we're we're good. Let's roll. And then just you know the next the next day out wasn't what we wanted. But um, I think as the season's gone gone on, you've you've seen us hit. Um, you, you've seen us just play a lot more free and uh, have a lot more fun. Um, so. Uh, I'm very excited to see how we do this tournament because I feel like there's still um, we can still climb and still keep going. JT Gasso is with us. There's so much to debate about, obviously, the process, the selection process. We won't get into that here, and there'll be another time for that. But it almost seems fitting that we see Paler in this situation. So much debate about who it benefits because the pitchers have seen the hitters and vice versa. We talk about pitching adjustments. JT, how much of an adjustment do you have to make going up against someone if it's uh, if it's Selman or if it ends up being Radoni, whoever they throw tonight? How much do you have to adjust what the approach is at the plate based on a team that's seen you quite a bit? Yeah, um, it's a great question. And uh, I think without – without giving up too much, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, they're obviously really good pitchers. They did very, they've done, um, very well this entire year. And, uh, I think, I think the part that was hard, uh, hitting them was their stuff was just electric. Selman's, Selman's ball. It, it was just tough to square up. It was, you know, we're always just missing it or, or whatnot. So, um, just trying to, you know, hit strikes and, uh, you know, take what she gives us and just trying to keep attack, keep attacking from the get-go. I said this after the Baylor series. It just seemed like we – we it seemed like that the, the Sooners were on the attack. It seemed like from the, the moment they stepped in the batter's box, JT, there was no waiting for the game to come to them. This team was on the attack. Was that just – was that something that developed? Was that kind of the focus – from the coaches on down, hey, we're going to be the attacking team here? Yeah, and that's kind of been the message all year is, you know, just attack because, um, I mean, if, if you're 
if you're attacking um, and, you know, people are making adjustments on you and then you can, you can make your own adjustments, but if you stay in that attack mode, it's, it's, it's really tough to, uh, to find those adjustments and make those adjustments that fast. So um, that's kind of been the message all year. And uh, when we're on, uh, it's, it's really fun to watch. Can you describe that moment whenever you walk towards the dugout and you can hear the crowd roar? Last year was my first experience, and I was jaw-dropped, blown away. Uh, what's it like as a coach, what's it like for these players whenever they hear that crowd roar as they take the field? Um, you know, I, I don't know because I, I don't really pay attention to it. I, I, I'll catch myself um, – <laughs> Like I caught myself at Auburn thinking like, well, a lot of people here, like <laughs> a lot more than what I thought. You know, usually because um, you know when you go to those home stadiums, you have those unified cheers and yeah. uh, and and they get. I mean, you can't miss like a go Auburn. You're like, wow, right. that that where's a lot of people. So, um, you know, I I know there's going to be a lot of Oklahoma fans there, um, but when I know I, I can speak for myself, I don't. I don't really notice it. And I think, um, you know, the girls in the field, they, they just play. And I think you'll see um, there'll, there'll be some people who haven't been here before that'll have, like, the deer in the headlights. And not necessarily on our team, but just in the tournament overall. And um, I think you see that in every sport. So uh, I think we do a really good job of just focusing on our game and, you know, just, just playing. I want to talk about some individuals with you. And I want to start with Nicole Pinley. She's found another level, but – can you just, I don't know, give us the scout and her ability to be diverse at the plate? In other words, JT, like uh, Auburn did. Auburn played her like a slapper. And then she lined, she lined a double over their head for Nicole Pinley. And then you, oh, you can, yeah, and, and then you consider how if you play her deep, she can drop one in on you. She can lay down a bunt. How, I mean, it's, it's incredible to see just how versatile she is at the plate. And a lot of that is just natural ability, isn't it? Yeah, um, I, and I know Nicole works really hard. Um, you know, she she goes in with game plans, and you know, we we try and work on um, on stuff that we think we're going to see. And uh, like, uh, for example, the first game against Auburn, mm-hmm. um, she she knew what kind of pitches she was going to get. She was a little early her first at bat, and then her second bat she lined out to the left fielder, and then her third at bat is when she hit that double. So. Um, so she's really good at uh, focusing on what on her approach and you know what she's trying to do at the plate. And she's a smart hitter in the sense of she knows when people are playing back and uh, and she she's really good uh, with her placement. And and I mean you you leave one over the plate and she can crush it too. So you're right. I mean it is really hard to play her, um, but I mean she she's a really hardworking uh, hitter. I'm not surprised that she's having the success that she does. And then sticking with uh, the first name, Nicole, how about the development of Nicole Mendez? You know, you go back, and this was someone who didn't even play through the first 10 to 15 yeah. games of the season. And then, JT, not only to, to, to play, but then to do what she's doing and how she's doing it. I mean, this is – if she even says it, if you ask her, she says, I know I was working hard. I knew what work I was putting in, and I knew I would do well when I got the opportunity. But that has to be a performance this year that's exceeded expectations. Um, you know – I, uh, whenever you have freshmen that come in, um, and I mean, she was a highly touted freshman coming in. She, right. we, we knew what she can do. Um, 
I remember watching the summers just thinking like, wow, like she's, she's going to be real special. Uh, but I, I think everyone has those freshman moments. Like you think of CC last year, her freshman moments were at the beginning of the season and, and the, even into the fall, uh, you know, Minda and Mendez had those freshman moments. So um, whenever she just got settled in, um, you know, she, she's just a competitor. And a lot of the time she just does stuff that you can't scout against. Like, yeah. uh, you know, she, she hit the first pitch of the game against uh, Tulsa over the fence, you know, and it's uh, as a, as a hitting coach, I'm just thinking like, okay, like great job. Like, you know, you swing at the first pitch of the game, it, it better go out. And, you know, we've, we've had some conversations about um, game plans and approach it, but most, I mean, most of the time you want to talk about just seeing the ball, hitting the ball. She does a really good job of that. Her short game has been incredible. And she worked really hard on that too. And to, uh, uh, to have that, Part of her game has been huge for her. I'll let you go on this uh, because I think you know I could go through the entire lineup when we could sit here all day, but uh, you, you have you have work to do. So, how much of a challenge? How different is it for you uh, and your outfielders defensively, JT? Obviously, it's a much different fence than what we had many years ago. It's uh, yeah. more modern and a lot easier to kind of get the uh, the read off a of hop. But how different with the room? How different with the amount of space they have? What's that challenge like for your fielders? Well, the the space what's what's great is we're we're used to the space. Um, just from being the Big Twelve tournament, and um, just since it's a temporary fence, you you it it'll take a couple games if you know you're used to it being a certain way from the year before, and uh, and you know uh, we're talking about inches might change, and we we come in and we figure out how many steps does it take the warning track. Um, the grass is playing pretty uh, pretty fast. Uh, at nighttime, if we have any sort of condensation or uh, uh, any sort of uh, uh, precipitation or anything, like how's the ball going to play? So um, the the girls know the spacing of it, like down the lines and stuff. Um, and just the fence in general, um, we we've played on worse where it's you know you have a steel bar, you got to watch out for the steel bar in this corner or you know whatnot. So um, so yeah, I I I think we're ready for that. Um, and, and they, our outfielders have done a good job of uh, yesterday's practice, just making sure we knew like the dimensions and how much space we had. So, well, there you have it. We are rolling in the postseason, getting set for a summer break, but no rest whatsoever. Coming up next week, Ryan Hibble will join us on the Sooner Sports Podcast. We'll go in depth on this incredible run by OU Golf. We'll also hear, as we heard Toby bring up from Joe Castiglione. And Patty Gasso, all on next week's Sooner Sports Podcast. Until then, everyone, have a great weekend. And until the game plan drops on Tuesday, this has been the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented in part by the Riverwind Resort, Riverwind Resort, the place to be, and Allstate Insurance. Are you in good hands? Until next week, have a great weekend. Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.